0: There needs to be a sacrifice somewhere, and I don't think chasing a return is a good idea. When I mean sacrifice, I just mean, okay, maybe you retire on less, or you know, work a little longer, or save more. Those are three more prudent actions than, okay, let's just put it in this and let it ride. I don't think that's a good strategy to use at all. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledden. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the
1: delivery. Welcome back in to Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George. He is Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management serving the Atlanta area. You can find them online at blackoakam.com. Today on this episode, we're going to go through the financial commandments. Get, lay out five financial commandments for you to follow to make sure you know your retirement plan stays on track. I think this would be a lot of fun. Kind of a different angle on uh, on the show, so I'm looking forward to it today. Ryan, how's it going?
0: Oh, it's going well. Going well. We got, finally got some fall weather here in the South, and so it's uh, it's nice to enjoy watching watching football, baseball playoffs, and my kids uh, play their sport, so I love it.
1: Nice. Are you going to Try to make any uh, Georgia football games this year. I know attendance is limited, but is that on your on your to-do list at all?
0: Probably not. I mean, sadly, it just it, I maybe go to one to two games a year, and it's usually with with a friend that already has season tickets or something like that. So it's just uh, we haven't done in a while. We used to go every single week, but um, with with. Again, my son plays at 9 o'clock every single Saturday morning, and then uh, my, my daughter usually has a tournament all all day on a Saturday or maybe a two-day or so. Yeah, it's just a phase, uh, phase of life right now. It's just not a not top priority, but definitely watching it uh, on TV is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: uh, a lot of fun so far. I'm
1: glad everything's back uh, football wise, and hopefully the season will play itself out, and uh, we'll get to the national championship eventually. And maybe, hey, maybe George will be involved. There's <laughs> a good chance of that. Um, I want to start off with a little uh, getting to know you. We do this from time to time to to get to know Ryan a little bit more outside of finance and investing and and being a financial coach. And and Ryan, a question I got for you today before we get into our main topic: What's a habit that some people have that drives you crazy? <sighs>
0: Well, there's probably a lot because I'm a pretty particular person, but, (laughs) um, and I'm probably guilty of most of the ones that, uh, that drive me crazy. But, uh, I I guess, and I, like I just said, I'm kind of guilty of this too sometimes, but just people hiding behind their cell phones, um, and that's metaphorically Uh and actually happening, um between, you know, going to restaurants and seeing families just plugged into their phones and not having any conversation, but also to just social media, um, you know, being able to, to type in and say what you want, uh, and have this platform that, uh, you can say whatever you want, whether it's true or not. Uh, I just, that drives me nuts and, and especially it's watching the Netflix, uh, episode, of social dilemma it, oh, yes. it really paints a picture of we are lab rats i think is the quote from uh, one of the individuals who used to work at uh, facebook we're we're lab rats and it's very sad to say and here but also true cuz the guy even included himself he's like i'm one i'm one too and, and i i know i'm behind the curtain and i know what goes on so uh you know just stuff like that it just Uh, there's a lot of cowardice out there and it it just drives me, it drives me bananas. So there's a, and I mentioned it before another podcast I listened to, Brian Buffini's show, uh, and there's a question he asked. There's usually four or five questions he asked at the end of every uh, show when he has a guest on and he's one of the questions for somebody and I cannot remember who the guest was, but he said in 25 years, like if you could say something that is completely stupid that we do in 25 years from now, what would that be? And he immediately responded with social media. He's like, I don't think it's ever going anywhere. But he's like, in 25 years from now, I hope we look back and go, that's the dumbest thing ever. Why did we ever get into that? And what a cancer that is to society.
1: That's a great answer. And, and I was going to ask you about Social Dilemma. I've seen it too. And I think it's it's something that everybody should watch if they have Netflix or have the uh, the access to it to give mm-hmm. it a watch. It'll open your eyes about You know, everything behind the curtain, essentially. And um yeah, I I kinda wonder too, like what point maybe will we evolve past social media or will this take a better turn? Because right now it's it's ugly and it, you know, it and I think it aligns with a lot of what's happening with the election that's going on and and Mm -hmm. everything else. I mean, it all kind of plays that part, but you're right. There's there's this platform now that everybody can just speak regardless of truth, how they really feel, whether they're joking, just it's it's too much for a lot of people and uh, I'm with you, man. I I tried, I'm trying to step away from my phone a little bit more, Mm -hmm. especially with a young daughter. I don't want her to always see me on it, but it's difficult and it's difficult and you understand why when you watch that.
0: Absolutely. And, and speaking of uh, kids, I mean, my daughter's almost 10 and we're watching it with her. Now, obviously the tech speak is pretty, pretty high level. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pausing saying, okay, this is what he means by this or, You know, this avatar of this boy that they're showing is that's not real, but it's just it's it's representation of how social media views us anyway. So it's very eye opening. uh, And I think you're right. I think it's important for all people just to um, to watch and listen to it because it is it's it's mind blowing. It is indeed.
1: Well, let's get into some finance. I mean, we could bang our head against the wall with social (laughs) media for a while, but let's get into what we want to talk about today. And I'll I'll also remind you too, blackoakam.com is the website. You can find this episode and all of our past episodes archived there as well, plus the Retirement Rescue Toolkit or Retirement Calculator, a lot of other opportunities to connect with Ryan. And you can also schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online. You can call directly to the office as well, 470-508-0508. So we're talking following the financial commandments, and so we're going to present five commandments that are worth being written in stone, a stone tablet of your retirement plan, so shall we say. So let's run through each of these. Ron, I'm going to lay out the actual commandment and let you explain to me what it actually means and how we should apply it. So let's start off with number one. Thou shall not compare your investments to the stock market Without the proper context,
0: that's a great way to start because context is the key word there. Um, and, And it's easy to get caught up into because, again, just piggybacking the social media thing, obviously, you know, TV's been around for a while, but people watching TV, and I'm not telling people not to do that and stay informed, but. There, there is a um, point where you need to turn the TV off at the same time because they, you know, the the talking heads of the world. If um, if they were giving such great advice out, it wouldn't be for free. Uh, It wouldn't be on TV the way it is now. I know there's advertisers and all that that pay for those individuals to to be on there and to pay for those shows, but. It it gets to a point where they're um, they're just they're trying to grab your attention, just like social media is. They're they're trying to keep your eyeballs on the screen, and if they just you know spout out boring facts, then it's it's not going to do that. So obviously they like to quote the stock market what it's done. Oh, the stock market was up three percent today, or down two, or whatever it may be. And you're right, people only cherry pick sometimes and hear that and say, okay, well. The market was up, let's take 2019 for an example. The market was up, and it depends on what index you're looking at. That's the key thing too, is they kind of just talk about one index. They cherry pick which one maybe has done the best. And so S&P did the best in 2019. So, hey, it's up 31%. Well, why is my portfolio not up 31%? Well, because you got up investments other than just the S&P 500. So if you had only the S&P 500 in 2019, then, good for you you did awesome um, but that's not going to be what's going to happen year in and year out just putting your money in one index and letting it go is not the proper way from a long-term perspective it's just it's just not so definitely having the context so that's where you as an investor, whether you work with a financial advisor or do this on your own you do need to know what your standard deviation is and and there is an exact number to your portfolio so there is a math component to the stock market obviously there's a lot of uncertainty there's uh you know headlines are not known the day before so we don't know what's going to pop in the headlines like you know most recently Trump getting covid i mean that hit a little shockwave to the stock market. You know, it, it, we just don't know what the news is going to be. But knowing your standard deviation, so when you know exactly what your portfolio is supposed to do, and how it's supposed to perform over periods of time, then as long as you're within that range and I call them guardrails, as long as you're in that downside and upside of your portfolio, then you're exactly where you should be. And that's where you need to know exactly what yours is. So it's almost like you're stress testing your portfolio. So if you're all in to one index, you need to know your standard deviation is that number is gonna be much, much higher, which is fine if that's okay with you as far as taking the the ride of the roller coaster of the stock market, but you need to know if a 2008 or 2009 hits again and you're all in this index, here's what potentially your portfolio could do. And if you can't stomach that, then you need to squeeze those guardrails a little bit more. But at the same time, when you hear the stock market do what it does when it's quoted on TV, you're probably not gonna be capturing that Entire amount, so definitely just knowing the proper context. And if you're a conservative investor and you're complaining about returns, well, it's because you're a conservative investor. You're not going to capture that huge upside. But the silver lining, when the market's down, you're not going to you're not going to hit that huge trough um, like you could if you were all in the market.
1: Yeah, I like that metaphor of guardrails. That's an easy one to picture for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, kind of along those same lines a little bit: Thou shalt not give up before giving your strategy enough time to play out.
0: Yeah, boy, 2020 is a perfect example of that. <laughs> um, I That's mean, the it truth. couldn't, <laughs> the, it could not be a better representation of what's going to happen. And there's there's so, and you can anybody can go out there and Google search this. There's so many studies out there that show you know the positive years that the stock markets have. The average within that, so let's take January 1st to December 31st. The lowest point in that calendar year, how far the market goes down, and the years that the market goes up, it's been it averages the low that it has within that year, it averages about negative 14 percent. But when you look at the entire year, though, it has a positive rate of return, and these are these are studies that have shown this data. So it just means you you do need to let this stuff play out and give it time. And again, 2020 is a perfect example of that. Now some indexes are higher than they were before COVID, um, quote-unquote officially hit the United States or before we really shut down in mid-February. Some of them have not, but they are close to where they were. But it just shows if you if you jumped off early on, if you jumped off the roller coaster, and Dave Ramsey says it all the time, the only people who get hurt on a roller coaster are the ones that jump off early before, before it gets to this destination. And it's so true that you're locking in those losses. And I know it's easier said than done when you're in that moment and the media is spewing all this fear tactics and you're panicking and you're in retirement. Well, if you're in retirement, you shouldn't be all in the market. Um, And I know that's kind of a blanket statement. So maybe some people are, but for the most part, you shouldn't be all in the market. So you shouldn't be worried about the market losing as much as it has because your portfolio shouldn't do that uh, when you're in retirement and pulling income out, but giving it time. I mean, we live in a society of, you know, it's, it's just a quick culture. It, you know, we, we want to know this, we want to know this right away and it needs to hurry up and fix itself. Um, so we definitely have to battle that sometimes, but education is where um, it, it kind of clear heads prevail when people are educated on what they have versus what the media is telling them they have.
1: Yeah. I found, I've kind of found that just not looking at it uh, very often is very helpful in this because it's, like when you step away, you don't realize, you know, how many swings and, and now this year's obviously been different than most, but just the ups and downs can wear you out just watching it and you want to react to so just stepping away. And if you look over the course of four or five months, rather than day by day, it's a great picture, but day by day, man, it's stressful.
0: It is. It is. And that's where you're right. A little bit of the head in the sand, uh, kind of helps <laughs> sometimes again, it's okay to to pay attention. I'm not saying ignore it, but when you know, those things are down and you're kind of in our age bracket, okay, I'm not touching this stuff for a long period of time, so why not, Why do I need to worry about this stuff? Which will lead into other questions that we'll have on the show. But it's um, stay informed, but there is a little bit of ignorance is bliss.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, you talked about this a little bit. In terms of, you know, you don't want to be all in in the stock market, um, you know, as you're in retirement or getting close to retirement, necessarily, that's probably not the best case for majority of people. So number three on our financial commandments list, thou shall not chase big returns too late in life.
0: Yeah, keyword in that one, Chase. Um, we 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 see that quite a bit. Chasing returns. It's you know hopping on the bandwagon, if you will, once everything is is doing well. And and I've heard people say that you know we'll get back in when the when the stock market's better. Okay, when when is that going to be? Let me know because that would be. A, <laughs> you can come work for me. Um. So, but yeah, chasing returns late now. I, Sometimes that's a common thing because maybe people didn't uh, save early enough or they want to retire and they just don't have a big enough nest egg. Or maybe they had a financial situation happen in their life, whether that's a divorce or bankruptcy or whatever it may be. They're just not at the point where they want to be or thought they, they would be. But also too, sometimes um, the, the amount of money that you have doesn't always necessarily mean you can't retire when you want to. We always hear these a oh, 4% rule. You can take 4% out of your nest egg and take that as income. And so some people hear that advice and they go, oh, wow, I need a million bucks just to get $40,000 out each year in retirement. Well, there's usually other streams of income coming in, whether that's a pension or social security. So a lot of that just depends. So chasing a rate of return is definitely a tough thing to do um, when you get to those ages, if you're just trying to uh, get a rate of return to maybe retire at a certain time in your life. It's there. There needs to be a sacrifice somewhere, and I don't think chasing a return is a good idea. When I mean sacrifice, I just mean okay, maybe you retire on less, or you know, work a little longer, or save more. Those are three more prudent actions than okay. Let's just put it in this and let it ride. I, I don't think that's a good that's a good strategy to use at all. Yeah, well,
1: one that uh, that really applies to everyone, and maybe. I think it's a good one because oftentimes we don't think about it or overlook it, but this needs to be on your stone tablet for your retirement planning is thou shalt not ignore costs and fees.
0: Yeah. I mean, being aware, and that's a great, that's a great point there. Being aware of just what you're paying for, even in like 401k plans, which a lot of that cost is is baked in. And so you don't really see a transparent fee come out. They may show you like an admin fee of like 20 bucks a year and you're like, oh man, this thing's so cheap. Well, no, there, there's other costs involved. There's, there's some sort of financial institution helping and in managing that money or custody that money. There's a, there's a third party administrator who keeps that company compliant with the federal government. Uh, so they're getting paid uh, anyway. So those costs are baked into your returns. Uh, And so you don't really most of the time see that transparent fee in 401k plans. Now outside IRAs, brokerage accounts, um, you know, you you do need to be aware of the the fees that you're paying from an internal expense cost, whether it's mutual funds or ETFs, obviously individual stocks, uh, they don't have a fee per se, but they do have cost of a bid and ask price um, there's a spread there between there and that's a cost that you incur that you may not realize but and obviously too, how you're paying your advisor for those of you who are listening uh, you, you need to know how you pay your your advisor that should be a very transparent conversation because your advisor is not working for free they're not um, and I, I feel like I add value to people's lives, so I do want to get paid because I know I'm adding value to their situation, and and hopefully increasing what uh, value they have. So. Being being aware of what, how you're paying your advisor, and that should be a transparent fee on a statement, whether you pay them monthly, whether you pay them quarterly, uh, whether you're fee-based or fee-only. I mean, that should be a conversation to be had, and there's nothing wrong with asking that question if you are unsure. Again, we're a fee-based advisory firm, so it's very transparent. Hey, we get paid on a quarterly basis, and it's based off what's in your uh, account. And you do better, we do better it is, is a very common uh, kind of tagline, if you will, that we say. So being aware of your cost is, is huge because uh, a, a fee drain on your portfolio can be uh, can be very costly in retirement over a long period of time.
1: Yeah. If you don't know, feel free to ask. I mean, I, like, like Ryan said, welcome those questions. If you aren't sure or don't understand or just want some clarity, it is your money after all. So you want to protect it and make sure you know where everything's going. All right. Our last one on our financial commandment list is thou shalt not overlook the importance of rebalancing and diversifying. I guess this is another one that uh, really applies to 2020.
0: Yes. Holy cow. Um, I've never gotten so many uh, rebalancing requests from uh, the software that we use in in one year, but it, it, it is true. I mean, you could take huge advantage of these situations uh when there is a lot of volatility rebalancing can can definitely hurt and, and rebalancing and diversification that's kind of nerdy uh financial speak which most people know what those terms are but it, it is so true because uh, if you look at and i can't remember the name of like the actual grid there's a grid if you uh, look back of uh, the last 25 years of historical returns, and it's got like different colored boxes representing different asset classes. And this thing, uh, I mean, I, th- there's colors all over the place, and it's not like one asset class is all the way across the top. Obviously, the top being the highest rated returns, and the bottom being the lowest rated returns for each year. I mean this thing is like a color wheel all over the place and and because it just shows the movement of what happens this one may be way up this one may be way down so diversifying is not a not a new concept uh, but it's amazing how many people don't do it they think large cap usa i'm good uh you know for some that may be the case and good for you but it needs to be spread out more especially when you get in retirement start pulling money out um because pulling money out is a completely different method to the madness than putting money in so diversifying i mean look at this year look at the nasdaq i mean that thing's gone crazy i mean it's all-time highs it like breaks records every time it goes up um but that nasdaq's not always the leader when it comes to uh, rates of return each and every year so Go back to 2000 to 2002, the dot com bubble, the Nasdaq was getting blasted, and so you just have to have that diversification to keep your portfolio balanced. So again, rebalancing is basically, if you don't know what rebalancing is, it's it's internally selling high and buying low in your account. So. U.S. large cap has done really well. U.S. small cap and international has kind of dragged behind this year. So rebalancing means let's carve off some of that U.S. large cap, sell that, and let's buy some of the small cap or internationals that haven't done as well. So internally, you're keeping your portfolio rebalanced. If you don't do that, let's say you didn't do that after 2019, and we mentioned this in previous shows, and then 2020 comes around and you didn't rebalance at all then you your volatility went way through the roof so you got hammered when this market started to started to come down so definitely rebalancing and diversifying two things that just have to be done for a um, for a more consistent uh portfolio well, that's
1: great uh great information and look these are just five pretty good rules to follow which is why we say you know, they call them the financial commandments, but there's a lot more that goes into financial planning and, you know, you want to apply these specifically to your situation. So work with an advisor, work with a financial professional, a financial coach like Ryan Ledden to, to get these things applied to, to your situation, and your finances, so that you are on track. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. We got one mailbag question today to get to before we close out this podcast. And again, as always, you can send them in to us. BlackOakAM.com is the website. And you can call Ryan directly with any questions you have uh, that you want to ask or about this podcast, whatever it is, 470-508-0508. But Sally and Macon reached out to us, Ryan, and she wrote, I just heard that I can get half of my ex-husband's social security benefit. Is that true? Can I really take half of
0: it away from him? That's actually an excellent question, Sally. And the answer to the first part is yes, that's true. The second part is you're not really taking half away from your ex-husband. And so let me explain. So, And there are some, of course, Social Security. We got rules and exceptions and nuances that we need to navigate through. But um, if you were married to your ex-husband for at least... 10 years or longer, you, that's kind of the first box you can check if, if it was longer than 10 years. Uh, and you Sally are unmarried, you're 62 or older and at least divorce for two consecutive years. So again, little nuances there, but if you check all those, if you check all those boxes, then potentially you can, um, get a spousal benefit, which, which is essentially half of your ex-husband, but it's not like you're taking anything from your ex-husband and and the same rules would apply. Even if you were still married, if you don't have, if your own benefit, Sally is not larger than half of his full benefit, then you can take it just like if you were a spouse, but now you're an ex-spouse. So you can, you can claim, off your uh, ex-husband's Social Security benefits. So obviously the Social Security Administration can help you out with that. Now, the earnings test or the earning limits uh, still apply. So if you're still working, Sally, and you claim off of this, then you could potentially take a, uh, a hit depending on how much income you're making. So there's a lot of nuances, but in general, yes, you can claim off your ex-spouse's uh, social security benefit. But again, there's a lot of it depends in there. And so that's where uh, reaching out to the social security administration, setting up an appointment with them. Uh, just make sure you ask some good questions uh, because they can't really volunteer a lot of information from a planning standpoint. But you can uh, you can ask them questions specifically uh, about your ex-spouse and if your benefit is less than half of what his is, then you can claim it. If that makes sense, so um, good luck with that, Sally. Again, Social Security Administration eh, can be helpful sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> they can't be. So best of luck with that, but you can claim off his benefit.
1: There you go, Sally. I'm sure she'll be happy to hear that uh, nugget from you, Ryan. We, I'm sure she'll probably visit the Social Security Administration pretty soon to figure out what all she can get. But uh, but glad uh, we appreciate you riding in, Sally. And again, if you have any questions, send them to us at Black Oak. AM.com. That's the website, and you can find more information about this podcast, plus everything we've talked about before on the podcast and a lot more. Ryan is a Dave Ramsey, Smart Vester Pro, and there's a lot of great uh, resources on his website for you to use, whether or not you work with him. But hopefully after you go through the website, you'll see that uh, there's a lot of value there. As he mentioned, he provides a lot of value for his clients and, and the services he provides. So the bottom line though, we want you to follow these financial commandments that we've listed today and, and keep those in mind, You know, whether or not you're working with someone, always do your diligence and and be aware of, uh, of what you're getting involved in and, and have some patience along the way. So Ryan, we appreciate it. Uh, Enjoyed this episode of Perfect Game Retirement and I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, Ben. just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement.